days, and and um, you can just leave your offering as you leave today. The offering plates are on the platform. You can just leave your tithe and offering as you leave, and we appreciate your giving today. But uh, when I felt led of God to to go into, I'm going to the lavalier. When I felt led of God to go into preaching on the getting our church ready for the last days. Uh, I was thinking yesterday that the series did not turn out as far as preparation the way I thought it would, would go. <clears throat> but when I got a line on what I felt like God wanted to speak to this church as we were getting ready for the last days, uh, preparing for the last days, that we had to be a church that always preached Jesus that we had to be a church that uh, focused on respect for holiness and recommitting re our life to holiness, then a church of power, being baptized in the Holy Ghost and ministering in the spirit of, of the Holy Ghost. And tonight, today, I really felt that I wanted to talk about the return of signs and wonders to the church. And... Uh, I want to be preaching today on the thought of we believe in signs following believers. And, um, and I just pray that uh, God would be glorified. I'm trying to walk carefully today. So if I seem like I'm stammering, I'm not stammering. I'm just uh, trying to be careful. I want to be very careful <clears throat> because I really sense the presence of God here today. And the last thing I want to do is to uh, walk over him and do my thing because I just don't want to. So uh, Mark chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, and I know if you stood for the song service, but if you don't mind, stand and let's read the word together. Thank you for your tithe and offering that you will give today, by the way. I appreciate you so much for your support. This is the Great Commission as written by Mark in uh, Mark 16, 15. And Mark said, that he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, everybody say in my name. In my name. Shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set at the right, on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. I said Mark was, uh, this is Mark writing about the Great Commission. And Mark wrote and said that signs would follow the preached word of God. Signs would be a natural outflow of the preached word of God. When Jesus said, in my name, you will do these things, he just wasn't, he, it just wasn't like, in my name, you will, uh, you will uh, do this one thing. But everything that is mentioned after that, this phrase, all is in the name of the Lord. I thought this, this uh, yesterday, actually, I was going over the message and, and I thought about how, what's it mean to say in my name? 
I thought that, of course, it talks about authority that I will talk about later in the, in the message if I can, but it also speaks to relationship. Uh, Dinah had four of the five grands this week, and they were getting in the car to go somewhere. And Diana had told them, she said, I don't want y'all taking crackers in the car because it messes it up, so no crackers. And so somebody, I don't know which one, was sneaking in crackers. And Kingston said, honey said, no crackers in the car. Now, he could say that because he had a relationship with honey. If you don't know who honey is, that's Diana, that's grandma. And he said he had a relationship with honey. And so when he said, honey said, then that, that got everybody's attention. And so if he would have said, you can't do that, the, other, the, the four girls would have laughed him to scorn. But because he said, honey said, he had that relationship with his grandmother that allowed him to say that. So when you and I pray in the name of Jesus and lay hands on people in the name of Jesus or worship in the name of Jesus, we do that because we are in relationship with him. Because I remember reading a story in the book of Acts about a man by the name of Sceva that had, the Bible said, seven sons. And they had seen the apostle Paul casting devils out of people in the name of Jesus. And they laid hands on demon-possessed people and said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. But the devils said, we, don't, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but we sure don't know you. And then the Bible said that the demon-possessed man whipped them and stripped them out of their clothing and embarrassed them, humiliated them. So we don't throw the name of Jesus around because it's a religious thing. We use his name because we're in relationship with him. And he has given us the authority to speak his name. We have the authority to speak the name of Jesus and all that that, all that that entails and all that that brings to us. And so the church of God, very early in our development, we've believed in what is called signs following believers. It, it actually is Article 12 of, in our de doctrinal commitments to where we believe that signs will follow believers. You and I today, because of who we are in Christ, have been given authority to use the name of the Lord. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That word power literally means authority. It also is it's dunamis, which most of you know that, but it's where we get the English word dynamite. And so Jesus said, my name is explosive. Now, there's something I don't understand. Now, I, would, I just want to tell you right up front before I go any farther. I don't understand all this. I'm telling you, I don't understand it. I can read it. I'm smart enough to understand what, the, what it says. I'm smart enough to talk about it, but I'm not smart enough to understand it. I mean, I don't know why that whenever we lay hands on somebody in the name of Jesus, that in the spirit realm that we don't see, there's some explosion taking place. I mean, there's some things that are blowing up that we can't even see. There are things that are happening whenever we take authority because we're not the seven sons of Sceva. We know him. So whenever we lay hands on somebody in the name of Jesus, a devil ain't gonna cry out and say, I don't know who you are. I mean, because we know him. 
And so because we know him, we walk in the authority and in the power that he has given us. I tell you, Berea Church of God, there is no power in me outside of him. There is no power in you outside of him. There's nothing about the name Church of God that scares a devil. There's nothing about the name of Steve Hobbs that scares a devil. But I'll tell you something. I know someone that does scare the devil. I know someone that can wreck somebody's world. And I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you about a man that is able to turn lives around and set men and women free and set them on the road of prosperity and freedom. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? I'm telling you, it's time to worship him in spirit, truth, and freedom. Somebody give him the best praise you've given him all morning long. Authority in the name of Jesus. The apostle Paul, whenever he stood before uh, Agrippa, in uh, testifying to Agrippa about his conversion. He had told Agrippa in Acts 26 and verse 18, he said, Agrippa, God told me that I was to go and to open the eyes of those that were blind, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. The only way that that is possible is because somebody knows something about the name of Jesus. Somebody give me a good amen this morning. Only Jesus can open the eyes of the spiritually blind. Only Jesus can turn you from darkness to light. Only Jesus can rip you out of the arms and the power of the devil and rip you in the arms of Almighty God. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, God has the authority and the power to do whatever you need him to do. Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I had never, honest to God, all these years that I've preached the gospel, I never saw 1 Corinthians 2, 4 like I did this week. It is hot in this church. I mean, it's physically hot in this church. <laughs> Dad, I might need you to come and help me undress a little bit here. I mean, my, my jacket, my, my coat. Whoo, it's hot in here. But, but I never saw that until I, this week when I was studying the word. And I saw the word demonstration. And I don't know why my brain went to where it went, but I started thinking about what a demonstration is. It's like somebody wanting to sell you a, a vacuum cleaner. And they come to your house with a vacuum cleaner. And they say, here, let me show you how this works. You ever had those uh, in your house, right? I mean, they're, they're great salespeople and they're making a living and those vacuums are great. But we all seen how they, that, that happens, right? They come in, they say, let me show you how this works. And they leave making you think you're the dirtiest person in the world because that vacuum cleaner finds stuff you didn't know was there. But they say, let me show you. And they do all the attachments and they uh, stick the cushion in the, in the bag and suck it to where it's that big and it puffs out again. And we've all seen them do that, right? And we know, we know what that's like, but they're demonstrating the power at what a vacuum cleaner will do. Well, I'll tell you what happens, what has to happen in the church. Are you with me? You're already way ahead of me, aren't you? But some of you are with me, right? You, you know where I'm going, right? That, that what people have got to see, they got to see with their eyes how God really works. Hallelujah to God. 
I, I got this in my mind. See, when I was going to seminary, and, and it's, it's in all higher education, but uh, there are classes you can take on theory. Theory tells you how things are supposed to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with understanding the theory of how things are supposed to be. But we are, we've got to get beyond the theory preaching. Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, we got to get beyond this is how it's supposed to be. If we do this, this is how it's supposed to work. How God, this is what God would like to do. I tell you what people need. They need to see God doing some stuff. They need to see God moving in people's lives. They need to hear some testimonies of folks that stand up and say, I once was lost, but now I've been found. I was blind, but now I can see. I was sick, but now I am well. I was bound, but now I am delivered. Somebody help me preach this morning. I, I tell you, we gotta have some people that are willing to talk about what God has done. Not what God can do, but what God's done. See, we get beyond, we got to get beyond the theory of it all and say, all right, Paul said, I've come to you and I demonstrated what God could do. I showed you what God could do. And then Jesus said that in my name, now there are three words that I, I want to briefly talk about today. And they are all in the Greek very, very close together and they all have similar meanings, but they're different words. They are the words of wonders and signs and miracles. The word wonder in the Greek literally means a miracle. The word wonder means portent, which is a word that means something that is to come. The word signs means miracle. It means it's a signal or a marker that something is there. The word miracle means power. It's dunamis. The same word for dunamis. It's a marker or a sign or a wonder. Do you see how all these three work together? And the Bible said that signs and wonders, they, they were amazed, the people were amazed because signs and wonders followed the ministry of the apostles. Jesus said, in my name, these signs are gonna follow what you do. These things are supposed to happen. I read in even out of the, uh, the not in uh, the Strong's Concordance, but in a dictionary. The word miracle means something that is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary event that is given to divine intervention in human affairs. And so I tell you where I think the church has messed up. Are you ready? Are you ready for some straight preaching from your pastor? And I will apologize in advance if I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me when church is over. But I don't think I'm wrong. I think we've preached this wrong for years. I think that we've made it something that is almost impossible to get. I think we've preached that all healing has got to be the kind of healing where the, lame, where the withered hand just got straight or the dead person came back to life or the blind eye immediately began to say, all that happens and God, Jesus did all that and he's still doing that and he's able to do that, but that's not all healing is. We wanna talk about miracles. That miracles are just some, something that is just in the book, but we really don't understand it. A miracle is simply God doing something you can't grasp in your brain. That's all a miracle is. It's God's intervention in your life. That's all a miracle is. 
I want to tell you all something that I believe with all of my heart. I believe that all of you, not most of you, I believe all of you have encountered miracles in your life. I believe that all of you have walked in the miraculous. I really do believe that. I believe that God has done things you've not even seen God do or knew God was doing because God had you in his eye and God was protecting you and God was going before you and God kept the enemy away from you and God gave you divine wisdom and God gave you divine strength and God gave you divine vision to know his will. I want to tell you, you have walked in the miraculous of God. God is a God of miracles. We bypass sometimes that salvation is a miracle. We bypass sometimes that there are things that happen that God sends that are extraordinary that make no sense to us, but they're, they're miracle things. That God does things that are, that are, that is a portent or a promise, a down payment of something that's going to come. Do you realize that the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? So then faith is what? Faith is believing God for something. So if you have not yet received something and you're believing God for something, then God, when God comes and just gives you assurance that the answer's coming, the portent of a wonder, I want to tell you, you can put that in the bank, brothers and sisters, because God is a God that is going to show you miraculous power and glory that glorifies him. The signs, he gives us signs right here. But I thought about how they mean a marker or they mean a signal. A signal that there's something different. Paul said himself in 1 Corinthians 14 that tongues were a sign. They're a sign to unbelievers. They were a sign that God was in the house. And so brothers and sisters, God is a God of wonders a God of signs, and a God of miracles. And you and I walk in the power of all of this, even whether we know it or not, but we need to see, we need to walk in the, in the practice, not the theory of the miraculous of God. God said, I'll fill you with the Spirit. You'll speak with new tongues. Then he said, you'll take up serpents. I'm gonna get to the end of this message pretty quick. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible, and I'm not throwing off, there'll be people listening to this on podcast, and I promise you here, I mean, there are several uh, churches around us that uh, believe in the handling of serpents in their worship. And I want to make it very clear that those people are believers and they love Jesus. And uh, they'll go to the same heaven you and I go to. They have a different understanding of this, of this verse. And, and I'm, not, I'm not here to down anybody. But I am here to tell you that this verse clearly is speaking to dealing with demonic spirits. That there's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible says that everything has to be established by two or three witnesses. There's nowhere in the Bible, not one place in the Bible, where taking up a serpent in worship was ever read or ever seen. Nowhere in the Bible where somebody drank some poison on purpose to prove that God would take care of them. That is not in the scripture. So he's not talking about physically handling snakes or physically drinking poison. God is saying to us that you and I have authority and power over demonic spirits because the devil is referred to in the Bible as a dragon, right? The great dragon. We, we know that scorpions and serpents are symbols of demonic spirits and we understand that. So the, what the Bible says to you and me today 
is that you and I have the power over spirits of, of devils that cannot harm us and cannot hurt us. I know that there are folks that are under attack. Somebody asked me this morning, how, you, how was your week? I think it was Logan over here. Logan and I had an early conversation. How was your week? And I said, my week was great. Well, I, I almost, almost lied because it wasn't great. I had some good parts of my week, but it wasn't a great week. You know why? Because I've been fighting some devils. Anybody fighting any devils here today? Anybody know what it's like to go to war against demonic spirits? Anybody know what it's like to have a devil declare war on you and you're just minding your own business and the devil decides he's gonna do something terrible in your life or in your family's life or in your church's life or somewhere in your nation or whatever it might be and kind of mock you and scoff at you and let you know there ain't nothing you can do about it. I tell you, I've had, I've had weeks like that. I've had the devil just, just in my face just because I woke up. But guess what, Berea Church of God, somewhere in all of this, we gotta remind ourselves who we are. I wanna tell you, we gotta remind ourselves that the Bible says that you and I can take up the serpent in the name of the Lord and the devil has no authority over you, no authority over your home. I'm telling you, you have a victory in the name of Jesus. Is everybody gonna help? Can you all feel God back here in the back? I mean, come on, church. Do you, do you think for a moment that God would call us to serve him and not give us the power and the authority to fight the fight for him? I mean, you military folks, we got active military folks, uh, one or two at our church, but lots of you have been our vets. Can you imagine joining the armed forces and going to war? and they're not giving you a gun to shoot or bullets for your, for your rifle, a hand grenade to hang on your belt and just tell you, just kind of do the best you can, keep your head down, try to stay safe, try to come back whole. Imagine going to fight like that. Imagine that's what a lot of people think God does. That God says, fight the fight. But Mike, you're on your own, man. I mean, you just do the best you can, bro. No, that ain't what God does. God says, Mike, I'll give you power over serpents and scorpions. God says, Janine, I'll give you power over all the works of the enemy. God, God says, Georgiana, I'll give you all you need to walk victoriously. Can I get a witness in the house today? I want to tell you, you and I have authority and power over demonic spirits, and they may huff and puff and try to blow your house down, but I read somewhere in the Bible that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Somebody help me praise him in the house today. I'm telling you, God said it. And if God said it, then bless God, we're gonna see it. He said, I'll give you power over the serpent and the scorpion and all the works of the enemy. Nothing to hurt you. God said, I'll protect you. And we know that he will. Then he said, you will, in my name, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. After a while, I want to thank Sister Peggy Campbell sitting back there because she keeps us in prayer cloths. She cuts them up for us and gives them to Diana. Diana stores them till we need them. I got these that Peggy cut up and I sat in Dinah's office for about an hour. 
making sure that every one of these has oil on it. Bought it at Save-A-Lot. There's no power in this oil. But the oil represents something that is powerful. The Bible says, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. The Bible said that anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Isn't that what it says? And so we will anoint whoever wants to be anointed with oil, not because we think there's power here, but there is power in your faith. There is power in being obedient to God. I don't want to get too far ahead. I want, I want to finish up preaching. But he said, we'll lay hands on people. Jesus laid hands on people. He could have just said it, couldn't he? He had all power. He could have just said, be healed of leprosy. He could have just spoken whatever he wanted to speak and it would have happened. But that's not how he operated. He walked up to lepers and I'm going to focus on them today because leprosy was a symbol of uncleanness, spiritual uncleanness and they were treated worse than animals. but he'd walk up to them and touch them. The law said not to do that. But Jesus took his divine hands to the heads of lepers and touched them. And when he did, something happened. He could have spoken it. Why did he touch them? I think for two reasons. First of all, there is the power of blessing in the touch. COVID robbed the church of the blessing of the touch. People were not shaking hands, not slapping you on the back, no more praying for one another in the, in the services. We, 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 we were obedient to all that stuff. We tried to be very careful about that. But I had somebody that don't attend church here told me that I needed to stand on the platform and just give people air hugs when they left. <laughs> I mean, to each his own. To each his own. But I'm so glad we got beyond that because there's power in touch. And Jesus knew that people needed a touch. When you're a leper and nobody will touch you, you need somebody that will touch you. When your life is hurting, there ain't nothing that will replace a touch, a hug, a slap on the back or something affectionate to let you know that somebody really does care enough to let you know they're there. And touching, there's a ministry in the touch. And laying hands on the sick is because the sick need to be touched. But there's something else about the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands was a transference of blessing. That literally what we do when we lay hands on the sick, 
we speak transference of health into their life instead of sickness. We speak health into their body in the name of Jesus. And health is transferred into their, into their lives because we take time to lay hands on them. And Jesus said that not only, I mean, there's scripture for all of this. I mean, the blessing in Genesis and in, in, in Matthew and, and Acts, the, the power of the touch in Matthew and, and Luke and Luke again. I mean, it's all through the word of God. But Jesus said that when you touch and lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The word shall means it's inevitable or it seems likely to happen in the future. Where we have not done a good job is preaching what divine healing is. I did a study on healing way back when we were on 25. And we had had several people in our church sick and we had lost people through sickness and I did a study on healing and I found out some things about healing and I'm certainly not going to go through all that today. I'm just going to hit this couple things. First of all, I found out that according to scripture, there are different wave, waves, ways that God brings health and healing in people's lives, number one that God used medical care and medicines and that kind of thing of the day to bring healing and health to people, number one. See, we preach that divine healing means that you're healed without medicines. Well, that's, that's simply not scripture. But I also found out that all healing comes from God. You know what I found out? There's healing in you. You were created to be well. You were created to be whole. God created you with a thing called a, um, what's that system in your body that fights off infection? Immunity system. God has given you immune, an, immunity, an immune system to fight off sickness and disease. That whenever sickness and disease comes into your body, God created your body to attack it that you were not made to get sick. Sickness is because of the curse. It's because of the fall. You battle sickness today because Adam and Eve failed us and failed God and brought things into the world that we didn't have to deal with, uh, we were not supposed to have to deal with, and now we do. And so God knows that we get sick. There's no sin in being sick. It's not a lack of faith to get sick. But we have to believe that God deals with sickness and disease different ways, but the healing is inevitable. That God says, I will bring health and healing to your body. Jane and I were talking before church this morning. And back in 2020, whenever COVID really hit, we had three of our men, leaders in this church, and I see you. We had Chad Bingham. We had Noah Campbell who's sitting right back there. He taught his Sunday school class, been teaching his Sunday school class again. And Bill Howard who's enjoying himself with his wife somewhere. And Bill's in his 90s. 
had COVID in the ICU. Alberta called me and she said, Brother Hobbs, they're sending Bill home. But she wasn't excited. She thought they were sending him home to die. She said he won't stay in his room. And I won't go through all the conversation. Remember, she thought he's coming home to die. She said, what am I going to do? And so anyway, Bill didn't die. Chad Bingham told me, he said, Brother Hobbs, I hope Chad listens to this. He was coming, you know, he's got COVID right now again. But he told me, he said, I, was re I resigned myself that I was dying. That I was laid in the, in the ICU and I knew I was dying. That all I could do was get puffs of air. But God raised him up. Three men at the height of COVID in ICU that in many people's eyes maybe should have died because of the way things were. But God was merciful. Many people did die. I'm not discounting that. But they received treatment. They received care and their immune system worked and God raised them up. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now I want to tell you, I know, I know, church, I know I've talked about my dad before. I, I've got to, I got to get into wrapping it up. Uh, uh, Tom, come on, would you please? I, I got to get into wrapping this up because I want to pray for you. But a lot of people don't believe in what I'm about to tell you. But my dad, my sister's here today. She came down to see mom and be in church with us. And she will remember this. My dad died February the 7th, 1978. He was diagnosed with leukemia about a, a little over a year before he passed. Make a long story very, very short. We thought dad was leaving us at Christmas of 77. The doctor came in to see him. I went to see dad. Christmas in 1977 came on a Sunday. I was ministering at a nursing home for my pastor and instead of going to church that day I got permission from my pastor could I just go be with my dad because they were not going to have a regular kind of church service and of course he blessed that so I went to be with dad on Christmas day so I'm sitting in dad's hospital room with him on Christmas 1977 they thought he was leaving leukemia if I understand it correctly, you medical people can help me, but one thing it does, it causes your spleen to swell. Your spleen's very small, it sits back here, but it swells up, and my dad's spleen was swollen past his navel and was rock hard because that's what they did. Every time they came in to check him, they always did his stomach. And they would actually draw with a pen where his spleen was. Well, I sat there on Christmas morning, 1977, and his oncologist came in, started pushing my dad's stomach. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you the gospel truth. I sat there and watched because where it was swollen the day before on Saturday, he couldn't find it there, so he kept going down, kept going the other way got all the way past his navel and found my dad's spleen over here somewhere. 
it had shrunk that much from the checkup the day before. You may think no big deal. The oncologist said, Mr. Hobbs, how you feel? My dad said, I feel great. He said, would you like to go home today for Christmas? My dad didn't even, didn't even get dressed. He got out of the bed, put his coat on, his winter coat on. It was, it was December. Put his winter coat on, put his hat on, and took my arm and said, let's go. Out the door he walked, got in my car. And I, but I'll tell you something I didn't know. See, it was before cell phones. And I called the church from my dad's hospital room. And whoever answered the phone, I don't know, but I said, this is Steve. Tell, tell my mom that they're letting dad come home today for Christmas and I'm bringing him home. You know what I didn't know? I didn't know that that, that very moment, I mean that moment, they were having a shout and hallelujah time praying for my dad. I didn't know that. My mom worked with a guy that had a card and wrote on the card and said, Lee, I want you to take this to your church and I want everybody, I want you to ask everybody that agrees with you in faith for Paul's healing, my dad's name was Paul, that you would pray for his healing miracle. And my mom took that to the pastor and the pastor said, absolutely. And they got to praying for my dad, holding that card. And that moment that they began to pray, God began to break up something. I told you, I don't understand it. God began to break up something and brought he, enough healing to my dad that he got to come home and we thought he would as well forever, but he died in February. All I can tell you is this, that I witnessed a miracle. I witnessed an extraordinary event that brought great blessing to my family. My dad got to spend his last Christmas, not in the hospital, but at home with his family. And we got to spend it with him. I've never forgotten that. Shall means shall. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall. It's inevitable. They're going to get well. You're going to transfer health where there's sickness. You're going to transfer blessing where there's a curse. You're going to transfer joy where there's sorrow. You're going to transfer something into somebody's life when you lay hands on them in the name of Jesus because you have the authority and the power to do it. God has given us the authority. God has given us the power. And all we do, we're obedient to him. It's inevitable. And the word recover, it's right there for you means that they shall get better. It means that they will rightly well, they will become rightly well and what is wrong will be corrected. That's what the word recover means. It doesn't mean you can be healed, but it doesn't mean that you may not get the evidence of your healing the moment you're laid hands on but God has released something in you to bring health and healing to your life. Do I have anybody that agree with me on that? That, you're, that healing is released in your life the moment 
somebody that has a relationship with Jesus lays hands on you. Don't have to be me. But when somebody lays hands on you in the name of Jesus and speaks health into your life, something begins to happen. And it's time for the church to demonstrate the power of God. Verse 20 says that they went everywhere preaching. And the Lord confirmed the preached word with signs following. He didn't confirm, he didn't confirm the preacher. He didn't confirm the church. He didn't confirm the style of worship. He didn't confirm the denomination. He did not confirm whether it was an independent church. He just said, where the word is preached, I'll confirm it. Where the word is preached, I will confirm it. Where the word is preached, I will confirm it. I've done my best. I've done all I know to do today. And I've done my best to tell you what said the word of God. Now I'm trusting him to confirm the word. Rose, would you go? Y'all are going to hang with me today, right? I mean, you're not going to run off on me. Rose, just give me a little bit of that. Church, just bow your heads. Let this song just penetrate your heart. Let this song penetrate your spirit. Then I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you.